Hello, everyone, and welcome to Passing the Torch, the podcast by Growth Mentor. My name is Marcus, and as you can see, I am definitely not in the studio. I'm also taking a little time off, visiting the family back in Chile. Um, so yeah, what you can see in the background is definitely something nicer than my regular place. Okay, that being said, um, today I'm bringing you a very a golden nugget. It's one of the best interviews I've done um, with one of our mentors. I talked to Mike Taylor. Mike is an incredible person, but uh, someone who has a really special approach to marketing. That's all I'm going to say, because you really need to watch this episode. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, follow our social media channels, and enjoy the following conversation. Hello, Mr. Mike. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, it's a pleasure being with Michael Taylor here, uh, especially because... Um, Forty Nateman, like he's, when we were talking about like who can we invite, it's like you need to bring Mike in because he's the OG <laughs> growth mentor. It's like literally the essence of what growth mentor is is Mike. <laughs> so I don't want to put the 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 standards that high. It's a lot of pressure. I know, I know, right? No, but um, seriously, I mean, Mike, um, you've done tons of things. You literally have half of the years of experience that I do, but ten times the amount of experiments and experiences that they're crazy and i'm gonna let you talk about those uh but i need to start with my regular uh sort of linking all of these stories to growth mentors i want to ask like how happened that you end up in growth mentor how did you feel that you have something to give something to say uh just tell us about it like how how everything in, in, end up in growth mentor yeah sure uh so uh, growth mentor caught me at a really good um point uh, i think uh, i was i was uh, looking for stuff to do for the first time in my life because i was leaving my agency and uh, you know i had founded the agency grown it to 50 people um actually a lot of the people on growth mentor were ex ladder uh, i know a few. kind of have like a growth mentor <laughs> like a ladder mafia and growth mentor which is kind of nice to see uh, but uh but yeah i uh i went from you know, running an agency with 50 people to then just like, you know, learning how to code. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have anyone like bothering me anymore, like asking questions and, you know, asking for advice and, and you know, asking for my input on different campaigns. And I, I really missed it, you know, like I, obviously I didn't miss it in the first week. <laughs> uh, you know, I totally didn't know that really. But, uh, but, you know, like after a few weeks, I was like, oh, I kind of like miss being needed, you know. Uh, so really for my own uh, ego, uh, I joined Growth Mentor. I think Fody uh, kind of reached out to me. Uh, but uh, I, I think someone else on the platform, maybe Matt Matt Eisner, uh, I think, uh, okay. it said, like, it's really legit. You should talk to Fody and, you know, you'd have a good time there. So um, I uh, I joined and, you know, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I think I've done over 200 sessions, something like that now. Oh my God, man. Like I, I'm literally, I've been, I've been here for years. I think I, I have 24. I'm not even ready to pass the next stage. <laughs> hey, do you get to count these uh, podcast interviews as uh, I should, <laughs> I should, right? Like I, like I should ask for reviews now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, it started off, I was doing, uh, you know, I've kind of um, got, you know, ramped up in some periods of, of uh, the past few years and, and then ramped down in other periods where they're super busy. Uh, but I've you know consistently had a profile and you know changed that profile considerably. Now it's all AI stuff, but uh, but yeah, I've I've, uh, I've I've done a bunch of these sessions, met some really interesting people. Um, you know, just uh, I, I think I, I've written a blog post for Growth Mentor on like why I do it, but we can get into that. But but uh, I think really one of the big things is uh, that it just gives me a lot of energy. Like there's a really big difference between taking like a client call with saps your energy sometimes and, and, uh, you know, taking a call from a super smart person who shows up 
they're prepared, you know, they have interesting insights. They actually kind of teach me a lot more than that, I that, That's what we talked before with uh, with some other guests is that it's never a one-way conversation. It's, it's, it's a whole learning experience that you get because, yeah, sometimes you end up with someone with tons of experience or someone new or whatever, but there's something, there's an exchange. It's not just like yeah. I give you and you get nothing, just completely both ways. Like, I think what, um, that's a mistake, right? Like, uh, I, I, I'm, I get out of touch, right? Because I'm not like actively running campaigns anymore. Uh, so, so it's really actually a big benefit for me to hear from people like what they're struggling with, what issues uh, do they have, um, you know, what's working now, what's not working, uh, because uh, that, that's, you know, I need to stay plugged in. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to work on the wrong things or, you know, kind of have uh, misguided uh, notions about how the world works today. Now, um, so you've been evolving on the the sort of this, I don't want to say services, but the, the way you help, right? You you started probably like on the marketing side pure, and now you're fully going AI. Um, yeah, like how, how is that's this pretty like, recent, uh, past few months, yeah. So how, how do you change? I mean, is it, I'm, I'm sure it's not because just AI came up. I mean, the, the, you have experiences in doing things with AI from before. I know like you guys lather is like crazy about experimenting things. Um, so how, how this evolvement or this evolution uh, works into into the stuff that you offer? Yeah, good question. Um, and, you know, I, I'm honestly still figuring it out as I go along. Uh, but the uh, the transition was, you know, when I left the agency, I really wanted to get technical again, like kind of get deep into the technical side. Uh, like I'm, I'm a marketer, right? But I've always been really interested in growth marketing specifically. And I, I just kind of see that or define that as, like the, the marriage between uh, engineers, like software developers and, uh, you know, the kind of the product side, as well as the marketing side, kind of integrating those two things together. Um, and, and I'm always, you know, really fascinated by people who can code and, and, and like build these big systems that automate parts of the work. So um, I, you know, when I left the agency, it was my opportunity to do it. So I did like a data science bootcamp, um, data quest. I did that like 20 hours a week uh, for the first three months. Um, and then did some consulting on the side. And and there were three bets that I made um, that were at the intersection of, you know, things that I knew that people needed uh, based on my experience at Ladder um, and, and and things that like people, other people didn't want to do that I like to do. And exactly. Yeah, I think I think you can make money there. Right. Um, and and enjoy doing it for the longer term. So uh, so so I made I kind of made like three bets. Uh, one was, um, you know, just analytics and tracking. Uh, you know, nobody likes setting up tracking or Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics. Uh, but I'm one of these weird people that actually kind of likes it. Like I did it over 200 times at Ladder. Uh, so so I got really deep. I actually set it up. I set up Google Analytics for Google once, uh, which was pretty cool <laughs> for Google Play. <laughs> so that's like uh, so I, burger yeah. for McDonald's. Like, don't worry. I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly, I'll exactly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I also ran uh, Facebook ads for Facebook, but that's it. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, but but yeah, so uh, I, I was deep into that, and I knew how to code, and I thought this was going to get me even more technical. So uh, that was the first thing where I was making money and and helping people, and kind of you know, like I still own the shares in my agency. I haven't sold them, so you know they're still going. They're still going concerns. Still growing um uh, so I, ha i still have to work for a living right like haven't sold out yet uh, so i was uh, you know that was what brought in income initially um but uh it, it, i found that those services were really tough like uh nobody expects uh tracking to be as hard as, as it actually is they think it should be easy to track performance of campaigns it's actually really really difficult so um so i found over time the, no matter how good i did it uh, in terms of like uh 
implementing the tracking. Uh, it was never like the clients were like never really impressed. You know, they were never like really happy with the implementation. They don't get it. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and 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 I, th I felt like that was like a um, you know just going to get worse with iOS 14 and all of these kind of changes to privacy uh, legislation. Um, so uh, I, I started to go the opposite direction and go into multi-mix modeling. So that was the second bet. Um, and multi-mix modeling is a statistical technique where you can uh, work out your marketing attribution, but without having to track individual users. Uh, so it was, you know, suddenly blew up. It was like actually Facebook released a marketing mix modeling library, like an open source one. And that really validated the whole industry. And, and it's been going for, you know, people have been doing this for 50 odd years, but, um, but, but yeah, that really blew up and that actually became then my, my primary source of income. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, but then the third bet was AI and I didn't make any money on AI for like two years. Right. <laughs> so I, I was part of the GPT-3 beta in, in 2020. Um, and and uh, I was still messing around with AI. Um, I thought it was amazing, but like it wasn't that popular at that time. And um, I was still messing around with AI in 2022 when Midjourney and Dali came out um, and Stable Diffusion. And because I was technical then, I knew how to code, so I got really deep into Stable Diffusion, all that stuff. Um, and then um, and then and then it's only really recently that I started to make my first dollar from AI, <laughs> uh, like giving people training, but. Um, but yeah, like I now have like an online course uh, on AI, um, uh, you know, prompt engineering. Uh, it's on, also on Udemy. Um, and then I'm writing a book for O'Reilly Media uh, on, on prompt engineering. That will be, so, that will be uh, second. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the second book. Yeah. And we can talk about that. That's another one of the uh, bets I made. I, I wrote a self-published book as well. But this one's like, I call it like the real book. <laughs> because <laughs> the first one was just self-published on Gumroad. And, and it was super valuable project. But uh, but yeah, this one's like a real publisher and, you know, it's going to uh, like hopefully be pretty, uh, you know, pretty big um, uh, in terms of their distribution network. So, so yeah, anyway, that, that's a long rambling story, but, but like that, you know, eventually I got to the point where I was like, I know I could make good money in analytics and tracking, but it wasn't particularly satisfying. Um, you know, I know I could make really good money in marketing mix modeling, uh, but I kind of reached a limit of like, you know, if I wanted to get better at it, I'd have to get a PhD in statistics. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> you know, will take I didn't, we didn't want to go back to school. <laughs> uh, so so AI it. is that one kind of intersection where I, I really love doing it. It's moving really fast, kind of feels like being around at the beginning of the internet. You know, uh, it's like a real platform shift. Um, okay, and, no, uh, and I have like you. a natural... Let me stop you for a second because um, uh, yeah, regarding the prompt engineering, right? Like I not too long ago, I made a post on LinkedIn and yeah. it was... This is before I, I've seen your uh, your bio that says prompt engineering, but I was making yeah. fun of people becoming prompt engineering because a lot of people are selling completely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're using it wrong. It's just become a joke eventually. It's like, yeah, you're using AI wrong because so it's hard for people to really find the value when a lot of people say, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll sell you a hundred prompts or whatever. And, yeah. and then you read them. And it's like, but I, I could have saved that. There's nothing. So what's really behind yeah. a, a real prompt engineering not just someone who comes out with the yeah. you know I have, I have experience like this it didn't feel like my first rodeo when i saw this come up right it felt like the early days of growth hacking right um because you know we, we were the largest growth hacking agency uh you know i think at least to my knowledge we we're 50 people right so um uh you know and then uh, growth became a sexy word uh and then everyone was in growth right like even if you just run facebook ads and you know you, you went you know uh, i used to say if you if you can't push to production um uh you know if you can't push code uh, then then you're not a growth team, 
right? Um, and and uh, and you know that obviously that feels a little bit snobby, but uh, but but equally like uh, you know it's very very hard I think to actually make a company grow uh, to the level of expectation that growth teams have set, like the growth teams of Facebook, uh, you know Airbnb and all these other companies. Um, it's very hard to achieve that if you can't make changes to the product, right? So um, I think it's a, it's kind of a mistake to flood that term. Um, and, and I see the same thing happening with prompt engineering. Um, yeah, like the the funny thing you see on Twitter is like people, uh, the post always starts with like 99% of people are using ChatGPT wrong. Right? Here, here are 2,000 prompts. And I'm like, I don't need 2,000 prompts. I need to know how to make my own prompts. I need exactly. to know how to. How, how do you structure it? That's it. I don't need, I don't need to give me 2,000. <laughs> Exactly. So, so what, what I've tried to focus on is um, more defining principles. The way I see prompt engineering is it's about talking to an, uh, uh, an intelligence, another intelligence that's artificial instead of biological, right? So uh, in the same way that you learn management science in order to become a better manager and kind of understand how to manage a team, um, I think that in the future, like prompt engineering, whether we call it that or something different, is going to be a discipline for working with artificial intelligences, right? So, um, so you know, it's like management science, but for AI. Um, and and I think yeah, you know, no matter how good the models get, you're still going to need to learn how to communicate with them um, because uh, you know people are um, pretty smart <laughs> right, relative to these models. Um, we, we are, you know, we are AGI, right? Like, um, uh, and and uh, the. Um, and, and there's still like a whole host of issues that we have to solve. Like you know, growth mentor exists um, partially because, you know, people, um, you know, don't know the best way to approach tasks. So they don't know how, the best way to approach situations. So I think being able to give that guidance to uh, ChatGPT or whatever AI model you're using is, is going to be a thing, uh, you know, now and, and, and far into the future. Now, this question is like, uh, it might sound like a joke, but do you really think people is using AI wrong? I mean, it's, it's are, we, are we really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 99% of people are using it yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but I, I, no, I mean, they're actually right about that. Because <laughs> never you mentioned, uh, yeah. of, course, of course, there is that space of, um, for example, I don't know, like when, when I started using ChatGPT, it was like, all right, uh, give me 10 ideas for Facebook posts, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get stuff that it sounds really bad, but... If you ask the right way, you can get way more than ideas. You can get a whole structure, a whole distribution plan, a whole strategy behind what you're asking. But it's really, yeah. is it, so the question is, is it really about the way you ask the questions or, or there's something else behind? Yeah, for sure. Um, it makes a really big difference. And, and I think that the big difference between what the Twitter gurus are doing with their 2000 prompts um, uh, and, and like what I'm doing is that I test stuff, right? So it's, very similar to growth in that respect. Um, I can A-B test, like I, I won't run a prompt one time and see, oh, the results seem good. Like I'll, I'll run it like five different ways and I'll run each each uh, variant, uh, you know, 30 times. Uh, and then I'll look at the statistical significance in terms of like how, how high are they, you know, like what parts of the prompt are really making a difference and like what, um, you know, what what is actually getting a better result. And, and often what you find is, um, you know, this these big longs, uh, like kind of, they almost like look like magical spells, you know, like <laughs> incantations, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like you're some sort of wizard, you know, uh, using the, uh, this AI, this malevolent God, you know, like, I think a lot of those prompts are crap, to be honest, like they're not, uh, you know, when I've tested them, they don't work as well as like some of the simpler stuff. So I think, um, you know, that said, there are other techniques, which are super important that, you know, people forget to do. So um, like one of my favorite reframings here is, um, you, you, cause you talked about, um, you know, how you approached it first thing. I think the, 
the, the initial approach that everyone has with AI is they go, you know, give me five ads, right? Like, give me, yep. you know, like 10 SEO tactics or whatever it is. Uh, but you're not going to get great results because um, it's just trying to guess what you want. And if you don't give it much guidance, it's going to give you back the average of the internet, right? Because it's trained on the whole internet. Uh, and it can actually give you pretty much anything. Like, it could give you, you know, 10 SEO tactics that um, Ernest, uh, yeah, Ernest Hem Hemingway would have given you. <laughs> Something like, you know, it's like, it, like it can give you, like, uh, you know, Shakespearean prose, like, you know, like, pretty much anything it can give you back. You just have to kind of know how to unlock it and kind of get asked in the right way. So um, so the the key, I find, is um, is in, you know, kind of you providing the secret source. Um, so, like, when I'm writing blog content, I won't say, you know, write, um, you know, write me a blog on value-based pricing. Um, instead, I'll ask it to interview me on value-based pricing and then write a blog from that, right? So like what, what people really care about is, you know, your unique experiences, like what you know about your business and what you know about marketing or, or whatever discipline you're in. Um, and and ChatGPT can then expand that information. That can take that, you know, that nugget of information that, that you have, that unique experience that you have, and then expand it to a full post or, or, you know, give you 10 different ways to say it in terms of, you know, social media posts or, or whatever it is. But I think you have to provide that secret source. But now, when, um, when you talk about the title of real or not or whatever we want to call it in the future is prompt engineering, that means uh, the AI is not truly going to take over every marketing job. Because, I mean, I've been worried about that. Like, I already doing a plan B and, and start making ice creams. And, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, there is, obviously, there is a space for collaboration between AI and a human side. And for yep. the example that you just gave is, is a very good one, that you're asking AI to extract your own experience into creating something. Yep. So how do you think this, uh, this symbiosis or whatever you want to call it, like, how is it going to work between humans and, and AI, especially in the marketing side? Yeah, um, the analogy I like to use is, um, I don't know if you've ever been in, uh, like, say, St. Pancras train station in London, um, or, or like any, actually, they have this in a lot of the train stations, but uh, they have a piano, right? Like, uh, and, and, and people can sit down and play at the piano, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and, and whenever someone is playing, they know how to play, uh, then uh, everyone will stop and watch them. Uh, but like, if you if there's nobody playing the piano, the play, piano actually can play itself. Uh, and it will just play a tune in the background but nobody stops to watch that, right? Like nobody cares about that, right? Like, so That's we've already made the technology to completely automate piano playing, uh, but nobody cares because there's no unique human experience, right? Like people want to see almost like the imperfections. Um, and, and so, so I, I, you know, kind of maybe stretching that analogy when I'm using it, but, but like, I feel like there's a similar role for humans in a post AI world as well, right? Like, um, yes, uh, you know, AI can automate a lot of the stuff, but that's just going to kind of free us up to, you know, fill the gaps in between those unique human experiences. Um, and, and, and like whenever, you know, like at the end of the day, like I was just listening to a podcast, um, the Acquired podcast, talking to Daniel Eck from Spotify, the yeah. founder of Spotify. And, uh, you know, he kind of um, you know, explained how music has kind of changed in, in this way. Uh, you know, it used to be in Be Beethoven's time or Mozart's time. Uh, they would have to like be able to imagine um, uh, how all the different instruments would sound because they couldn't actually hear someone playing the instrument. Um, uh, and, you know, they couldn't do trial and error. Like, they had to imagine. So you have to be an amazing conductor in order to create music. Uh, whereas, like, today, a DJ can, you know, play a few sounds and, and use the software. Yeah, I mean, if you have fruity loops or whatever. Right? Yeah. So, so, uh, so, you know, the, uh, like, most, most musicians today, like, don't 
you know, know how to play most of the instruments uh, using the tracks. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, you know, like uh, you know, how many how many DJs know how to play the uh, all these different instruments? Like, how do they know how to play the drums? No, like, they know how to press the buttons in the right order. Um, so, so I, I feel like. Uh, you know that doesn't make the music any worse. Like I mean, some people might might argue. Yeah, that's that, debatable. That's debatable. <laughs> yeah, but 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 like um, you know, it's still really interesting. Like, still really uh, unique human experience when they do find that right combination. So um, I, I think that that's like not going away. Uh, even even if AI automates pretty much everything, um, it's going to still give us a lot of space to express ourselves. And I think it just kind of raises the bar. Like nobody makes bad music, you know. It's pretty hard to make bad music now. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like in most of day, it was it was always guaranteed that you would make bad music. <laughs> That's a great analogy, though, especially like the one, the one about the piano. Now, um, you you started. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if you started fully with Lather. That was that was your first marketing experience, or? Oh, I uh, worked in a couple of startups before that. Um, uh, a couple of growth roles. Uh, so I worked in the travel industry. Uh, a company called Travel Zoo. Um, uh, like a daily deals kind of company. I worked in Shopstar, which is like a big uh, fashion affiliate um, and, and a few others. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, uh, so I kind of learned paid growth, uh, learned SEO, uh, you know, landing page optimization, that sort of thing before I started Ladder. Okay, because you, you, you've you been sort of doing something very right, which is sort of smell the next, not trend, but the next, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you, like you're nailing that. So um, what are you doing right now? What, what's your, because um, obviously you're doing AI, but are you planning to create a startup around it or are you just doing consulting? How's it working at the moment? Yeah, good question. Um, and still trying to figure that out, right? Um, uh, but, but generally I, I try and, um, you know, when I'm spotting these trends, right? Like things, things to focus on. It's usually, you know, some situation where most people don't realize or, or don't want to do the thing uh, but when you do the thing, it gets better results than anyone expects, right? So, so I think growth kind of fit into that because um, actually most of the traditional marketing people I talked to at the time when growth hacking came out, uh, they were laughing at it. They were saying it's stupid. Uh, actually, digital advertising was only like 5% of media at the time. So like even the whole bucket of digital to them was a rounding error. And, and, and like the, the concept that like you would put a developer in the marketing team, that didn't make any sense to them, right? Um, and, uh, and therefore, you know, and like no... You know, so if you worked at Procter and Gamble for like 20 years <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you're like, you know, you got like a reputation in the industry, you're not going to like change your LinkedIn to growth hacker. Right. Um, so so there was a real barrier to like people wouldn't adopt it. But but like the people who did adopt it were getting insane results. Like, you know, the Facebook growth team uh, you know, got the company to a billion users uh, pretty quickly um, through through a few different growth hacks. And there, there were like uh, kind of instances where I saw it just like working really well for me as well when I tried it. So, um, you know, AI feels the same way. And, and specifically within AI, uh, what I'm focused on right now is around the testing side. So, um, you know, we, we don't have all the frameworks. We, like, there's no Optimizely for, um, uh, for, for uh, you know, there's no, there's no VWO or Google Optimize uh, for, for, for prompt engineering right now. Um, so you're having to do it pretty manually. So uh, one of the things like, you know, I was working on today was just kind of like a, uh, just a, an interface for doing that. Um, it's an open source uh, library. So, uh, yeah, I'm working on that, um, but, but then also kind of using that, again, you know, most people are using uh, ChatGPT wrong, <laughs> right? Um, and they're not testing the prompts. Um, and, and, and therefore, like, I feel like right now I have a superpower because 
I am testing my prompts. I, I know the power of testing. I'm just applying it to this new domain. Um, and and uh, you know, rather than kind of blindly messing around with trial and error, um, I, I'm, I'm starting to see what actually works and what doesn't. So, uh, so as well as kind of making the testing side easier, I'm also exploring a few different product ideas where uh, I'm, I'm, I'm finding a prompt that works better than average. Um, uh, you know, and 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 like other people probably wouldn't try that prompt. You know. So again, I mean, it's, it's, it, I really find it cool that you're finding all these like missing spots that, that, um, that mm. are happening, especially, I mean, with, with anything coming up new. Now, how do you see it in the future, right? I mean, we, we talk about how um, the relationship is, is probably going to work if you do it together between AI and humans. But what about next? Like, how, how do you think that's going to move forward into marketing? Like, is it just going to become a lot of automation happening or, or this is something that's going to top what AI is doing right now? I mean... Again, I like your vision into what's coming. So what do you think is going to happen sooner than later with, with all of this um, working on? Yeah, good question. I, I think um, if it hasn't happened already in your organization, like the, the real no-brainer is to uh, use AI for all prototyping um, of, of creative ideas. So, you know, it, I, I think there's probably some resistance to using it for the final production version, right? Like mid-journey is, is still really good. Um, and it, they've solved a lot of problems, but you can kind of still tell it's AI. <laughs> um, and and same thing with the chat GPT, you know, GPT-4 is really good, but in a lot of instances, you can still tell it's AI, unless you do a lot of prompt engineering to to make it sound more like you. Um, now, um, I would say, you know, that doesn't mean you can't use it for prototyping, right? Like prototyping is, is very low uh, barrier to entry. Like there's no risk uh, to using AI in prototyping. Um, and there's a huge benefit, which is, you know, rather than going back and forth with the copywriter, and back and forth to the designer, uh, now you can like actually make the thing that you want pretty quickly, even as a non-technical person. Um, and and you know, even someone who doesn't know how to use Photoshop, you can kind of generate an image. And you know, even as someone who doesn't like know how to write um, uh, write copy, uh, or you're not an expert in that, you can still generate some decent ideas and kind of pick the ones that, that resonate with you. Um, and then uh, it's, it's just like a smaller barrier to entry for the designer and copywriter to kind of access your thoughts. Uh, because otherwise they're just trying to second guess. Like when I say, you know, when I say Batman, um, uh, you know, like you have a different image in your head of Batman than yeah, I probably more of the old Batman. So when I say draw Batman, like you might like the comics, so you might draw him more like the comics. I might like the Christopher Nolan film, so I I'll draw it like that. Um, you know, and uh, and 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 I think AI in the prototyping phase can really help you know bring those two visions together and kind of you can show someone something and they can criticize it much better uh, than they can imagine it in the first place. You know? So so I think that, that's an immediate no-brainer. I think it really cuts out a lot of communication issues between design and creative teams and and uh, and, and the management. Now as a, as a as a human being, do you think it's going to have a big impact also in like in the in the day-to-day -day of people? It's it's cuz obviously yeah. it's not just AI is there for business, right? Eventually, it's a, like it's supposed to do something for humanity. It's supposed to be one of our greatest advances. Like, how how do you think it's going to affect the the rest of like all of us? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to have a similar impact to Google, right? So, um, if you imagine a world before Google, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I I, I remember uh, pre Google. Um, it's maybe dating me a little bit, but uh, you know, before search engines. You just have to ask people, right? Like uh, we look something up in an encyclopedia, which is really painful. Or you go to the library and check out books and hope that you find it in the book, right? And uh, and, and you just couldn't get anywhere near as much done. Um, and, uh, you know, 
like unemployment is is at a record low, despite the fact that everyone has Google now, right? Like you know, the librarians there's still more librarians in the world than there were you know, pre pre internet, right? Um, and and uh, and I think that the uh, the, the immeasurable impact on people's quality of life. Um, it, it's just, it's, you know, this is going to happen again with, with ChatGPT, with AI, right? And it's already affecting me right now. So, you know, like I actually, you know, I, I was uh, like just lifting some weights and I was like curious, like, what is a good amount to lift, right? Like, you know, what should I be aiming for? So I just asked, you know, like, what is, and, you know, it actually gave me a really good answer. It was like, you know, a beginner should be weighing like this percentage of their body, uh, body weight and like, you know, intermediate is this and like the world record is like two times body weight, you know, things like that. So uh, it just like, gives me a really good, um, interesting kind of, um, you know, context around this task. You know, and like I, I've been doing a bunch of construction uh, work in my house and, uh, and, you know, I know nothing about it, but I've been asking like, which type of paint do I need to get? Uh, oh, wow. you know, for, uh, you know, if I'm going to paint my room, uh, so, so like, it's already like a really big part of my life. Um, and, um, you know, I, like obviously I code, right. So like, I, I'm, I'm using this a ton for, uh, building stuff as, as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it just really takes away the fear of trying new things. I think that's the biggest impact, uh, because I would never get involved in construction stuff. Like I would just pay, a you'll you know, pay someone. Yeah. Because, because like. You know, I just didn't know anything about it, right? But whereas, like, now I can at least ask and kind of get a sense of whether it's hard or easy and then, you know, kind of outsource the parts that are harder or need a bit more expertise, right? Um, and uh, and the same thing with coding, right? Like, I, I'm building stuff. Like, I would never thought to build my own open source, like, Python package before. But I, I honestly just said, like, here's the script that I'm using. How would I turn this into a Python package on uh, pypy.org? Uh, and, and, and it knew, right? Like, and it gave me, like, here, like, you need to add like the init file here you, you know so so like i think it just makes you fearless because like what's the what's the real downside of like just asking and seeing if it's actually easier than you realize but it, de it definitely make a difference because because you code so uh um, is telling you things that you understand and i think I mean, that's <laughs> again that's why people is using it wrong <laughs> because they ask for something they don't understand like i remember there, there was a founder of a startup that i was helping it's like look i don't need a marketing person anymore because i just asked ChatGPT. i'm like but are you understanding what it's telling you? It's like when, when it talks about SEO or, or Google Analytics or whatever, do you really get it? It's like, no, no, I just let him do whatever. It's like, that's that's not going to help. That's not going to help. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you know, though, like, I, I actually think you can get pretty far doing that. You know, like, um, I, I have friends who don't know how to code and uh, they have like whole applications, like automating stuff. Uh, and they've, they've literally, they're like, I don't know, man, I just keep asking ChatGPT and it keeps working. <laughs> you know, and I think I'm all for that. You know, like I think it take away the fear because it's it's pretty easy to hire a developer to make something work a little bit better, right? Yeah. Like it's very very hard to explain to a developer like what you want in the first place, uh, or like you know the vast majority of all code written is just thrown away because you know the product didn't work out, right? Or it didn't it couldn't like it didn't actually get good results, right? or because they didn't even finish the product in the first place. So I think uh, you kind of need to treat these these tasks as more exploration, right? Like, um, you know, maybe that guy that you're talking about, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes because he doesn't have an experienced marketer. But but like, was it realistic to have an experienced marketer in the first place? And, yeah, you know, maybe he didn't have the budget, right? But he, maybe he can get to the point where he now has the budget uh, through using ChatGPT. Uh, he's kind of, you know, you tried all the obvious stuff. Uh, and then you can go to a more experienced marketer and say, you know, this is working, this is working, that's not working. I've tried all these different things that ChatGPT recommended, 
uh, now what should I try? And then that experienced marketer just has a lot more to work with. And, and, and you know, that, that client can now afford them. So, so I think it's really bridging that gap. It's not between, it's not like replacing the experienced marketer, but it's like getting more people up to that level where they can actually become a client. Yeah, yeah. So let me just, um, I'm going to start closing the conversation because mm -hmm. we only have certain time. But um, there's two things I want to cover. So I want you to tell me a little bit more about the books that you've been writing. Um, like, yeah, what's your approach? Because especially like um, marketing memetics, you you went really into the biology and psychology of marketing. I mean, yeah, I haven't read it. I'm that, was like, real, you know, that was a real, uh, real passion project. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I started looking at it. I'm definitely going to read it now because it's like that's that's what I really like. It's like the, the human nature behind all the business. So, so tell me a little bit about that book, and tell me a little bit about the book that you're writing, and then we can move into the last. Yeah, book. sure. So, so, so like, funnily enough, like I, I wrote a book probably at the uh, the wrong wrong time in history, uh, <laughs> just because you know if I'd started it a year later, I probably would have used ChatGPT to write it. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, you know, like uh, AI really started to blow up, um, you know, as I was writing, uh, like to, in the last few months. And I had to kind of change a few things about, even being early on AI, like I, I started to realize that, wow, like this actually changes a few different things about what I'm writing about. But it was really beneficial because uh, the topic that uh, I wrote about was memetics. Um, uh, so memes, you've heard of memes, yeah, um, yeah. funny internet videos, or, or but um, but the uh, the word meme actually predates the internet, and uh, what it really means is any piece of information that gets passed on from person to person. So anything that gets imitated. Um, so like uh, you have like this uh, fluorescent light in the background that says on air, right? Um, like that is a meme uh, because you know there are other people who have had that or similar to that, right? Fluorescent lights is one meme. On air is like another meme. Uh, and and like yeah, pretty much everything around us is like some you know, from somewhere else, and that's what gives it cultural significance. And and you know whether like consciously or subconsciously, you are um, you know kind of saying something uh, by having that in your background, right? True. true. Um, you know, so so uh, it really it expresses something about your culture, about about what you value, about how other people should perceive you. Um, and uh, and memetics is really just studying that. Um, and the really cool thing about AI is that you know prior to AI, it was really expensive to do these types of studies because you you know if you wanted to see like I don't know maybe you could do a memetic analysis of podcasters and you could say okay how many of them have on air in the background right like maybe it's like ten percent right and and uh, are the people who have on air in the background performing better or worse than average? Right. So you can kind of do these correlations and start to see like, OK, what's important to have as a podcaster? What's not important to have? Um, you know, what type of mic are the podcast is using? Like I'm using uh, you know, Blue Yeti and, and you're using, uh, is that Riverside? It's actually a Behringer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of Riverside yeah. swag, but yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so swag is a meme, right? Uh, but uh, but um, now with AI, it's super easy to do this type of analysis because you can get the AI to tag this stuff, right? Like you can... Uh, use some of the components of stable diffusion, which is like open source, to be able to tag different things in images. Um, you know, you can you can uh, tag uh, different things in customer reviews, um, you know, in in blog posts. And you can kind of get a sense of uh, you know what are the types of memes that I should be including in my marketing campaign, and what ones uh, should I be leaving out uh, because they're not performing. So so as I was writing the book, and I was like, it was a real slog, like trying to. <laughs> You know, convince people, motivate people to do this type of analysis and, and that, it, that this type of analysis is valuable, suddenly the cost of doing it dropped by a thousand percent. So like it actually kind of like, um, I, I think uh, made a lot more people interested 
uh, in the topic. And, and, you know, I hope uh, like it's only a self-published book, right? So I don't, you know, didn't need to make a lot of money from it. It's more like a passion project, something that I learned uh, that was, I think, when I look back on my agency experience, was the key to, you know, all of our best um, successes at Ladder uh, was when we did this type of mimetic analysis. So that's why I wanted to capture it in a book. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, again, I was like a little bit ahead of the curve, but maybe a little bit too far ahead of the curve because uh, it's still pretty niche. <laughs> Not many people have heard of it. But it's growing. It's definitely growing. But yeah, hopefully it's growing, you know. And um, the second book, the book you're writing now. Yeah, so so like literally I, I had just finished this crazy editing process. Like I had taken a whole year to write uh, my first book and, and self-published, you know, so it didn't like, you know, it wasn't New York Times bestseller first week, right? <laughs> uh, sort of thing. Uh, but uh, but then um, I, I was doing some training for O'Reilly Media at the time. Um, and then I'd been out to a conference. They, they host a pretty cool conference out in San Francisco. Uh, it's like an unconference, they call it. Uh, FooConf um, is the name. Um, and it's like invite only. And they just, they, they figure out the agenda um, like there at the, at the actual uh, event, right? So, so it's a conference, but like everyone who's invited could be speaking. Oh, cool. You know? um, and they have like Nobel laureates. They have like crazy, like they have all these authors, like pretty amazing, like researchers. They have a lot of meta employees because of the meta campus. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I gave a talk and a few other and kind of met some interesting people. And I don't know if that helped uh, my case, but then, you know, they reached out um, a few months later and they were like, do you want to make a book on, on prompt entering, on this training that you've been giving uh, for us, this online training? So, uh, so I was like, yes, of course, like uh, this is a real publisher doing it, you know, <laughs> you know, get into that textbook game, uh, you know, like hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it would go well. But, um, but, but yeah, like I actually just finished writing the first draft. Uh, I'm writing with my co-author, James, um, who I also work with on a couple of other projects, but um, but it's on prompt engineering, kind of teaches the principles of prompt engineering. I've approached it like this management science uh, that I think it is. Um, cool. So it's not it's not like you know 99% of people are using ChatGPT wrong, and it's not a big. This would be the title. This would be the title. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm missing out on money probably by by not making that the title. Uh, but uh, but but you know, I don't want to be associated with that. No, no, no. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, Mike, so just to close the loop, we started with talking about growth mentor. We went through um, sort of your stories and how like your experience have been shaping. Um, I like to ask, and I know it's not very original, but uh, a little advice for the people who are thinking of calling for uh, for a mentor call with you or with someone else when they're at that state that they need help. Um, what will be the, your your to go tip that you always drop out there? For example, for me is test everything. That's just I'm not going to tell you, yeah, yeah, that's going to work. Just test it, right? Uh, but what will be a, a tip that you think is super valuable in your experience to people either starting or with experience, but they're having these little moments of doubts or problems? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I like to think from first principles. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the really big things that helped at Ladder was, um, you know, we would just break it down and say like, okay, like, where is the real problem here? So, you know, yeah, the overall problem is that you're not growing fast enough, right? Like nobody's growing as fast as they want to be. Um, uh, so, uh, but, but there's all sorts of components that go into that, right? Like it's, you know, do the audience know who you are? And if they know who you are, like, what do they think about you? And if they, like, they think favorable things about you, uh, then, then like, what's stopping them from, 
from like coming to your website or, or checking out your product. And if they've checked out your product, is there any friction that's stopping them from continuing? Um, or if they've you know used it in the past, uh, like what's what they've got them to stop using it? Like why why they're not using it now? So um, you know every every big problem is really just a series of smaller problems. And as you decompose that into the individual parts, uh, you start to spot areas where you can actually make a difference. Um, and and rather than being overwhelmed with this big nasty problem, uh, breaking it down into individual parts, like you actually can make some progress and, and feel good about that progress that you're making. And uh, this is something I really got from learning how to code because you know in in in, in software engineering it's it's like a really key part of it, right? Like you you know just kind of in all engineering, right? Like you you take a big problem, you you know turn it into lots of small problems, and then you, so you solving little by little to those off, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's true in AI as well, right? So, um, you know, first thing I'll tell you, if you're, if you're struggling with your prompt, uh, first thing I'll tell you is like, try and break it into multiple tasks. Maybe you're trying to do too many things all in one task, right? And, and if you break it in, uh, into multiple prompts, uh, then you can chain those prompts together. And overall, like maybe you can actually achieve something much greater than, uh, you know, than the individual parts. Um, so, so like, I think that that's like a universal advice is like, you know, break it down into, you know, what are the things that really need to happen? Um, and like, what are these sub problems? And then just reason from first principles and think about like, what, you know, like, like it's either this or it's this, right? Like, <laughs> you know, can you break that down? Like, you know, either this is true or like, if that's not true, then this other thing has to be true. Um, and, and if you can get it down to those fundamentals, um, then usually the problem becomes less overwhelming. And, and you might not immediately know a solution, but it feels more approachable and you can make start making more progress. So you know who you need to talk to. You know you know what you need to try. Awesome. Mike, uh, where is your course? Is in uh, Udemy, right? Yeah, on Udemy. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah. So so I, I guess you can provide a link in the show Absolutely. notes. Absolutely. That's not... We're the first one, uh, when, when you go uh, for prompt engineering, we're, we're the top one. Now we've had actually over twelve thousand students um, take the course in, in four nice. months. So yeah, it's actually six thousand of them were like this month, <laughs> which is kind of nuts. Uh, so it's so yeah, AI got to double everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, it has doubled. So yeah, I mean, it'd be, I wouldn't have to, you know, I wouldn't have to do anything else if it keeps doubling. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, uh, check it out. Like I think I will say it's more technical. So um, you know, there there is like you know about thirty percent, forty percent of the material is is uh, you know you don't need to know how to code, but um, but but we're focused more on the technical use case there. Cool, cool, cool. cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add all of the all of the details, all of the links, uh, so you guys can go and check. Not only that, you can also book um, a call with Mike and find out more about how AI can help yeah. you and your business. So Mike, man, um, this is the time we have for today. We definitely gonna be in touch. Uh, I'll see you around the world of Growth Mentor. Yeah, good to talk to you, man. Take care. So again, another pleasure to have people like Mike uh, in the show. Um, and I usually, if you've been watching the show, you know I do a swoop when I talk about the things that I'm taking from this conversation. But this time, I want to do something different. I actually want to invite you to go and watch this all over again. Because the conversation about AI and how AI is changing everything that we do, not just as professionals, but also as humans, is something that you really need to bear in mind. And I think the way Mike puts it in there is is very very uh, not unique but very very clear for you when you try to understand if ai is really going to replace you or what's going to be the value proposition that you can have as a company using ai it's not the automation anymore it's you you're going to make the difference it's the human relationship with ai that's going to make a huge 
difference in the way we grow together with AI. So that being said, my soup for today, which doesn't have the soup, is to go back and listen to this because it's something that is really important for all of us professionals. It doesn't matter where, if it's marketing or whatever you want to do. So watch it again. Subscribe to the podcast. My name is Marcus and I will see you next time. Cheers.